He's retired from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. Started off as a street cop and eventually worked in digital forensics, investigating crimes digitally. What does that mean? I don't know, but he's here to talk about that and how it's progressed into his passion today, which is OfficerPrivacy.com. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. That's number 4Patriots.com. They offer the world's best survival food, the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and more. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4Patriots.com. That's a number 4Patriots.com. Use code LET to get 10% off. Connecting with us from Arizona, we have Pete James on the phone. Pete is a retired Sacramento County Sheriff's Lieutenant. And he is also the founder of Officer Privacy. Get more details of what they do. Their website is very easy to remember officerprivacy.com. Pete, thanks for being guest on the Law Enforcement Today show. Very much appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Love your show. It's good to have you here. And I always say this. Thank you for your service. One of the things, and I'm, I was city police, so we had misconceptions about sheriff's departments, what they do. And I do know a lot of the sheriff's departments around the United States, when you start off, you start off in the jail. And then when you get promoted, you go back to jail. Was that the case for you? Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, some counties, you know, they they separate the jobs, but for us, it was the it was the same job. So after the academy, we would start in the jail. We would do our jail time, and then when our number came up, we would rotate out to patrol. And that's that's what uh, that's what happened with me. How long were you in jail? And I, I'm very much smiling when I say this. How long were you locked up? (laughs) So as a deputy, I spent four and a half years in jail. That's a long time. Yeah, you know, it goes back and forth. Uh, Sometimes officers, it depends on staffing, it depends on hiring, uh, anywhere from a year and a half to five years. At the time, obviously, we were closer to the higher end, but sometimes it's it's only a year. One of the things that, that my guests on the show have said, and you can listen to past episodes of the podcast for free, just look up Law Enforcement Today, that started in Sheriff's Department, started in jails, they said it was great for them because they got to really learn, I, I hate to say it this way, the streets and communicating with people when they were locked up with them. 100% true. 100%. You know, most cops are are, are going to grow up in neighborhoods, not necessarily where the inmates grew up. And it's a, it's, it's, it's a learning, there's a learning curve there. So, um, it was, it was definitely a good experience. I, 
um, yeah, I would recommend, I, I would recommend, you know, not being dissuaded. Some people will say, well, I never want to work to jail. I, I don't want to work to jail. Uh, it's not that bad and you can make the best of it. And if you have a good attitude going into it, use the time wisely and learn while you're there. I finished up my bachelor's degree while I was there, you know, so you may have a little spare time when you're working the jails, um, you know, make the best of it. One of the things is I think uh, I can only speak for me. I'm easily swayed by Hollywood. Even after all these years, I tell people all the time, I, at this point in my life, I couldn't handle jail. The noise alone would drive me insane. I'd be the one screaming, shut up for goodness sake. But I think a lot of that is due to what we see in Hollywood. And the, the only group of people that Hollywood crucifies more than police are prison and corrections officers. Uh, they, they represent them as being absolute morons and corrupt all the time. And I know that's not true. Yeah, absolutely not true. There's a skill set that you need to learn. And while sometimes the job can get monotonous like any other job, uh, it's necessary. We need it. We need those guys and girls working in those in those jails and we need them to make certain that, you know, they're not up to no good while they're behind bars. We know they are, but we try and, you know, we rely on them to 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 limit what the damage they do. One of the things that media benefit I would see is, is twofold. Number one is the ability to learn how to talk to people. We, we had a saying, it didn't matter how muscular you were. It didn't matter how great of a fighter you were. The biggest muscle you had to use was your brain because you just can't fight everybody. It, it's not like John Wayne and Clint Eastwood in the movies. You can't do that and survive this line of work. Secondly, the ethics. Uh, when you're in corrections and you're exposed to inmates all the time who are always trying to manipulate, always trying to get you to do something to break the rules, that I would think those two things alone would be great training experience for your young officers. Definitely. You know, there's always going to be somebody bigger and badder and tougher than you. And you're not always going to be able to muscle your way through um, through it. So um, one of the books that I read was uh, Games Criminals Play. And it's, it's old. I mean, it's probably 30 years old, but the concepts are still there. Uh, they will always, inmates and criminals will always try and manipulate you one way or another. And we've seen, you know, some of the headlines of, of correctional officers being manipulated um, by criminals, whether it's romance or, you know, financial. Um, you got you to gotta stay on your toes because they're very, very persuasive. They're, they're very good at what they do. And you just have to be, you know, you have to be aware of that, that they are going to try and do that. And they're very, very uh, persuasive. Um, Similarly, officers need to learn how to be persuasive in order to be able to get done what they want to get done from people. Because, you know, whether you're in a custody facility or in patrol, you're going to be outnumbered. You're going to need to persuade uh, people and groups of people to do what you want them to do. So those those skills are honed in custody facilities. We were trained early on and in, in do things, and I'm probably considerably older than you, Pete. Number one, we called it back then was verbal judo. 
So you, mm-hmm. you would use oftentimes coarse language to get people to do things where you would not have to use force. Uh, so that was something we always relied on. And people would say, oh, he's so discourteous. He's so mean. Well, th- we're trained to do that. Secondly, ethics was beat into us. Integrity was beat into us. I don't want to say physically beat into us, but it was in the academy almost daily because it was such an issue in particular areas where we had all the strip clubs, known as a block in Baltimore. They would have all means they would use to try to get you corrupted. So if you take a little here, you'll take a lot there. And next thing you know, you're in the headlines for really, really bad things. We're talking Pete James. Pete is retired Sheriff's Lieutenant from the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. He went from being a street cop, oh, he went from being in jail to a street cop to working digital forensics, which leads to his work today with OfficerPrivacy.com. This is Law Enforcement Today Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. National security experts are warning our aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. Imagine a blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at the moment the power fails. Lights all over the country go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the new Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you get a solar generator that doesn't install into your house because it's portable. You can take it with you, even use it inside. But it's powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, or even your fridge. And right now, you can go to 4 and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in a store, including the Patriot Power Generator. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4 That's number 4, and use code LET to get 10% off. That's 4 Use code LET to get yours today. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. Return our conversation with Pete James, a retired Sacramento County Sheriff's Lieutenant. He went from street cop, actually he went from jail to street cop, to promoted to jail to street cop to promoted to jail to working digital forensics and his now his passion is officerprivacy.com that's officerprivacy.com Pete one of the things that would happen to us and I got hurt and retired at the age of 33 but I was a sergeant and when you would start starting patrol and in our department and then when you tested for promotion if you made rank they sent you back to patrol no matter what division you were in no matter what special unit you went back to patrol and it's usually a different district you started in the jails and when you get promoted did they send you back to patrol or they send you to jail they send us back to jail uh, as a supervisor supervising the officers the deputies working in the jail so uh, let's just say your rank was uh, a sheriff's deputy, then sergeant, then lieutenant. You might have had corporal in between. Every time you got promoted, you got sent back to jail. Would some view that as a demotion? 
Well, there were uh, there were limited spots in patrol, and our department needed to staff our custody facilities. So, uh, since more people wanted to work patrol than the jails, it's just the way the rotation worked. So, when you got promoted the first time, how long did you go back to jail for? Two and a half years. As a, as a supervisor, now all of a sudden the ball is your your whole work environment's changed. The jail's the same. A lot of the inmates are probably the same. But now you're responsible for supervising the, the officers, the deputies, and the inmates as well. How hard of adjustment was that for you? Well, I, was, uh, I ended up going back to the same uh, facility that I worked as a deputy. So I, I knew it very well. I had, I had spent four and a half years there as a deputy. So going back as a sergeant, um, you know, there's a transition because now you're a supervisor, right? And 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 different roles and responsibilities. Um, and sometimes it can be tough if you get promoted and then you immediately start supervising the very same officers that you were, you know, last week working side by side with. But in this situation, they were they were new officers, um, so there wasn't that problem, um, and. You know, I've been very fortunate through my career working with really, really good partners, um, working with, uh, you know, a good administration. Uh, we had issues like, you know, you're always going to find something that, that that could be done better. But for the most part, I enjoyed my, my coworkers. I enjoyed um, the administration, you know, was not bad like some places have. Um, but, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a transition and, and I, I think some people may not want to make that transition um, for 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 some fear, but um, I, I think it's important not to not to fear failure. Exactly. And you know, we're all going to you know that's how you advance. You, know, you take three steps forward, one step back, and then another three steps forward. But so. Um, you know, I would encourage anybody who who may be thinking, you know, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to take that step. I don't know if I'm going to be good at it. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to do that. And I'll, I'll tell you the reason I promoted a sergeant is, is and 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 not to be overly critical, but some of the sergeants I had, I looked at them and thought I could do at least as good a job as them, if not better. I can relate. And. And, and it's just, you know, and I thought, well, I can do that. <laughs> I can do as good a job. Uh, and I had some, I had some great supervisors and they did the job much, much better than me. But in looking around, I, I felt like there were some like that I could do an equally as good job. And if they can do it, then I can do it. And I should do the make, I should, I should have input on the decisions. Right. I should be able to um, have a say in how that's done. And you know that, that's kind of what prompted me to. One of the things I would tell people, and they would talk to, uh, talk to me as well, is that if you, if you really want to make a difference in a police department or a sheriff's department, you got to make rank. Uh, and when I say a difference, it's not just for the cops that work for you. It's also for the citizens that, that you are policing. I got to ask you this. I know the sheriff is the one who's elected in most departments, sheriff's agencies. However, in our department, it was the sergeants who ran the department. Was that the case for your, your sheriff's department as well? Yes, absolutely. And they they even acknowledge that. The frontline supervisor in any organization, 
they run the department. Sergeants run the department. They're the ones that are that are they're making the day to day things happen. And um, you know, as a leader, you need to get those sergeants on board because because if you don't have them on board and on your side. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, but as a sergeant, yes, you're the one that has the most direct impact on on the frontline guys and girls, and um, they they're the ones that are out there. They run the department. One of the things that we had to do as a sergeant, and uh, I, I'm sure it's the same with you, whether it be in jail or on a street and patrol was we had roll call every day before our tour duty. And we would inspect the the men and women in our squad. And you'd look them in the eye, and you'd talk to them, and you'd smell their breath, all those sorts of things. But I would make a point to try to talk with them at least once a night, if, if, if at all possible. Sometimes it wasn't possible. Every other night, or at least once a week, and find out how they're doing. How are things at home? How are you doing? How are things? Because... If they were stressed out and they weren't doing well, they couldn't do the job well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And it, sometimes it sounds intrusive. It really was not. I, I got, I'll just very quickly fill you on a, a conversation. I remember having a, a, a meeting. We pull up car to car. And, and, I'm, and I'm a sergeant. I'm talking with the guys on my squad. And I'm not going to mention his name. And he was an all-American football player at uh, a big top 10 university. And he, his father died. And he left college. His girlfriend was pregnant. He became a police officer. And I talked to him. I said, hey, look, we're just having a conversation. Why don't you try to walk on with the Baltimore Colts? Or the Baltimore, they weren't in the Ravens at that time. Or, or the Washington football team at the time. And he's like, Sarge. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know I'm in shape. I know you you think I'm really in shape. I'm not in football shape. And that's how you really got to know people. You got to know the ins and outs about the men and women who work for you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, if, if, if the only contact you're having with them is at, you know, at roll call, at briefing, uh, you're missing out on a lot. And you're going to miss those initial signs that may lead to trouble down the road. And as a supervisor, uh, you know, you have a part to play in that and keeping them healthy, not only physically, but mentally. And we're learning more and more that, you know, cops are having and expressing their, their mental um, issues, you know, that, that before they were they were hesitant to do right now so, they're a lot more open about it unlike our time when we were rookies we're talking with pete james he's retired sacramento county sheriff's lieutenant when we return we're going to talk about transitioning to becoming a digital forensics detective and supervisor and how that leads to what he does today i'll give you a hint it's officerprivacy.com don't go anywhere this is law enforcement today show we'll be right back the place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. You are going to love my Your Diet Do-Over Do-It-Yourself course on HarmonyWithFood.com, which means you could do everything at your own pace. I put my heart and soul into this course. Have you been on every diet there is only to gain the weight back? If your relationship with food is, well, not that good, you should purchase the Your Diet Do-Over course. 
go over to harnwithfood.com, click the Your Diet Do-Over tab and get started today. Return to our conversation with Pete James on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Pete is retired Sacramento, California Sheriff's Lieutenant, works as a street cop, got promoted to sergeant, works as a jail, a street cop, got promoted to lieutenant, and then eventually made his way into the detective branch doing digital forensics. He is the founder of Officer Privacy. Website is officerprivacy.com. We'll talk about what they do in a little bit. Pete, I got to say this. I appreciate all you did in the jail and also the, the, the part as a street cop. I understand what that means. And when I say cop, it's a compliment. When I say street cop, it's the ultimate compliment. So I, I appreciate it very much. The area you're, of your career that I really don't understand, and I think a lot of people don't understand, and most people don't really comprehend what policing is because they're guided by Hollywood and the news media and social media. But digital forensics, I have no idea what that is, but somehow I don't think it's like those CSI shows, is it? Um, You know, there is some truth to that, although it's obviously uh, simplified for TV. But I would look at digital forensics as uh, just another place to find evidence, Uh, evidence as to whether they committed the crime or were involved in the crime or they didn't. And um, another way to look at it is to, um, when, you're, when you're studying digital evidence, the forensic side of it, uh, you're determining and trying to determine user behavior. What behavior were they doing uh, that, is, that is shown uh, with that digital evidence? Um, a cell phone. Who, on your cell phone, you know it tracks the phone numbers you've called, the phone numbers that have called you, the phone numbers that, it, that you know, sent um, calls made, calls received, calls missed, text messages sent, received. Uh, so that's all digital evidence. And, and at a very, very high level, uh, when we're looking at uh, somebody uh, sitting down at their laptop or their computer, what were they doing? What were they doing at the keyboard? Um, what websites did they go to? Um, it's all about user behavior mm-hmm. and figuring out what they were doing at that moment in time. So what I'm thinking of is my mind automatically goes to like child pornography and, and images and trying to find evidence in the image to connect with a criminal. And I'm sure that's part of it. We'll get to that part in a moment. But if I understand you correctly, this has more to do with IPs and uh, metadata with the images to prove whether factually they were involved in a crime or not. Yes, and and certainly uh, uh, kitty porn is is one of those cases that um, are investigated and and where you would use IP internet protocol addresses and metadata from the images and the videos. Yes, absolutely. Um, but there's also dozens and dozens of other types of crimes where digital evidence can be analyzed to uh, figure out, you know, what they were doing at that moment. And um, we had a case, I had a case, uh, it was a federal case that I testified in, and it was a pimp um, who was transporting his uh, human trafficking victim over state lines. He had uh, uh, one of those 
GPS devices that you put on the dashboard, right? So this wasn't this was before um, we started using maps on phones a lot, and so uh, in that case, he uh, he simply had his GPS device on. He didn't put in a location. He just had it on to show his location. All of that was stored. So I was able to testify in court that that device, which they placed, which they had put in the car, uh, had crossed state lines. He went from California to Nevada. He went to Vegas. He went back to California. He went up uh, the highway through Oregon and Washington and back and forth. So um, um, we were able to show that uh, he did cross state lines, which made this case the felony, uh, a federal case. I can see this very easily when it comes to like uh, crimes, uh, financial crimes, uh, money wires, transfers, hacking, also uh, digital harassment, online harassment. I, I see all that stuff. I never really put two and two together with GPS and what a lot of people consider to be violent crimes. And I do consider sex trafficking, human trafficking, a violent crime. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, now the, the cell phones capture your location and it's not, it's not always just what you would think. Um, we know that there are cell towers out there and you can get cell tower records, which will show when that, when that phone was uh, pinging that tower, but there's literally dozens of other places, um, apps that are capturing your location data and that location data is stored on your phone. So when we download or dump your phone, uh, the software that we have, it does a really, really good job of analyzing that data and um, showing your exact location. Because, you know, what's the number? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's accused of a crime and they're like, yeah, I didn't do it. I wasn't there. Well, you know, if you had your phone with you, which most of us do, um, we can very easily identify the location of where that right. person was at that moment of time. Don't even then get me started to... with how we even function without a phone. I've gone down the street, left my house in the morning, come to the radio station and go, oh, I don't have my phone. I'm going back because uh-huh. I got to have it. But back in the yeah. day when we were kids, Pete, uh, we didn't think anything of it. You'd go out with 10 cents in your pocket to make a phone call in case of emergency. Right. Correct. Now, yeah. I can't even tell you last time I carried cash. It's been so long. Yeah, now you can pay with your phone. You don't have to have cash. And I like to think of myself as more technically advanced than the average Joe, especially from my age. But when you start talking about things like dumping phones and getting records off phones, I'll be honest with you, that's Greek to me. That's totally, it's a different ballpark. And here's here's something I got to ask you, because I see this all the time on television. They'll get a, a surveillance video and a screen capture, which I know we can do, of a car. And they'll say, well, it's kind of blurry. I can't really make up the tag. And they zoom in, they do something else, and then 10 seconds later, they got a picture-perfect photo of the tag. How realistic is that? Well, you know, with resolution, you can't create something that's not there. You can make more of it, and you can sharpen it, and you can, you can manipulate it. But really, to see it super clearly, you need the resolution. You need the data there. So to a point, only to a point, um, you know, we're getting better and better. But, you know, just imagine a pixelated screen 
zooming in on a pixelated screen doesn't make it any clearer. No. Right? You've got to have something to look at uh, to, to zoom into. So, um, you know, sometimes. Sometimes it is that way. Maybe sometimes it's not. Yeah. I, I know we've gotten like predictive pixelation, other things they do, they can try to imagine. Here's what I want people to understand. Even with all these tools, and a perfect example are the, the facial ID software. It's not enough to convict someone of crime. You've got to have a human being behind it. Same with uh, fingerprint analysis. Same with uh, everything else. So I'd imagine this is a great investigative tool, just like polygraphs are a great investigative tool. It's not admissible in court, and that alone is not enough to convict someone or arrest someone. We are talking with Pete James. Pete is an interesting guy. He's retired Sacramento County Sheriff's Lieutenant. He worked in jails. He worked in the street. Went back to jail when he got promoted. Worked the streets. Went back to jail when he got promoted. And then finished his career as lieutenant working in digital forensics. When we return to our conversation with Pete, we're going to talk more about digital forensics and how that leads to his passion for what he does today, which is Officer Privacy. Website is officerprivacy.com. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Take a short break. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by special guest Pete James. He's retired Sacramento County Sheriff's Lieutenant, retired to the rank of Detective Lieutenant, and worked in digital forensics. He is now the founder of Officer Privacy. Website is officerprivacy.com. Pete, first of all, your name, Pete James. If I met a name that was more suitable for Hollywood, I don't know it exists. Pete James is a great name for someone who's a Hollywood actor. Yeah, thank you. I I, I usually get teased about having two first names. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a great DJ name as well. And I'm not going to talk about the whole porn star thing as well, because sometimes people get out of hand with that. I met, uh, I had a guy on the, the Law Enforcement Today show who I believe is retired from... L.A. Sheriff's Department or LAPD, and not too far from where you were, and his name was Savage, and I was thinking, man, that's a great name for a law enforcement officer. My name is Officer Savage, and then there was the, uh, another one was Outlaw, like, how could you be a cop and have a name like Outlaw? That That's mm-hmm. phenomenal as well. So, Pete, digital forensics. Uh, we talked about that, and there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, the common person doesn't really understand and wouldn't really understand. And the only influence they get is from watching these television shows. Here's your opportunity. What is the one thing you would like America to know about policing, in particular digital forensics, that they are not aware of? Well, you know, our digital age, our internet age, uh, it, it has, it, it's been terrific in so many ways. Um, and, and just like anything else, there's good and there's bad. People are using uh, the internet to, to harm people. They're using the internet 
to um, harass them and dox them. Um, along with that, you know, our privacy has is deteriorating, both with um, you know online privacy and 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 having our information out there, and that can be dangerous. And along with it being dangerous, though, it's not. Uh, it, it, it can be fixed. You can you can reduce uh, the risk to yourself and your family. As someone who makes his living off not just radio, a big way that I drive traffic for the podcast in particular is via social media. I use my real name, but I'm also very aware that there's certain things I don't put out there, uh, particularly when it comes to photos. um, What I'm asking is, Pete, for someone who lives their life on the internet now and makes a living off the internet, do I need to be more aware than, say, a street cop? Everybody is has has different dangers facing them. You and I are are not dealing with criminals every single day. We're not dealing with organized crime. We're not dealing with that element. Uh, But active duty officers are, and. So I would, I would say, and I say this, and I use I buy advertising through social media, and I use social media to get clients for, for our company. But I would suggest really, really limiting your social media exposure, because it, it just it's just one more place for people who want to bring harm to you and your families to find out information about you. And I would suggest that you become a hardened target instead of a soft target. You can, you can do that by reducing your exposure online. One of the things you said earlier was doxing and I didn't have to worry about that when I was policing. I, I do recall an incident where I got called into my, my major's office. I was a sergeant and he said, we got a letter that went to homicide. It came from Baltimore city jail and they're supposed to be a hit a contract out on you, and they named me, and they named a corrections officer. And, and when my wife found out about it, she hit the deep end and was super, super paranoid. But we didn't have the digital exposure that a lot of police nowadays do. So when you say doxing, that's something you hear about uh, headlines quite often. What does that mean? Yeah, so uh, harassment one way or another. Uh, it can be online harassment, online targeting. Uh, it can be, uh, and, and then it can lead to physical harm uh, at your home address. So when I mention doxing, uh, I'm in, I'm including, you know, somebody somebody harassing you online, and this isn't just sending you a nasty a nasty message uh, and posting to your social media account that you know cops are bad. Um, we're talking about, you know, the next level is if people know your email address, if they know your phone number, if they if they know your home address, they can do things on the Internet that will harm you. So my whole point of starting officerprivacy.com is to reduce your exposure so that information isn't out there. So we've heard of swatting, right, when uh, somebody... Uh, pretty much hacks into the 911 system and acts like they're uh, calling from a certain house and they say, I'm in trouble, send the cops, I'm being held at gunpoint. The cops show up and the call was not made from that address. Right. It, they, were, um, they were able to spoof their, 
um, their phone number, which brought it back to that home. And yet, and, and, and that's, you know, that's pretty bad when, when the cops show up and they're surrounding your house and they're pulling you out at gunpoint and you totally don't understand why, but somebody had your information, they used it against you. And it's pretty inconvenient for that to happen to you. We even have cases nowadays, and I don't think it's done intentionally, or at least I hope it's not, where we have police chiefs or city hall, a politician who I never trust, actually doxing some of their law enforcement officers and putting out their, their name and their physical address. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very unfortunate. And it happens all the time. And here's one of the things, it, uh, and I, I don't have the way to properly come back to people when they say something we've had guests on a show where their their spouse who was a law enforcement officer was arrested politically charged politically motivated and mm-hmm. when their names hit the newspaper their addresses did too and they actually had protesters out front of their house and the, the fear factor alone uh, i don't know how people can handle that yeah that uh, officers this happens a lot and it happens more than we might know. Now I'm in this industry, so I follow it. And, but the reality, but the reality is that officers all over the country are being doxxed. And before somebody can do that, before somebody can show up at their, at their home address, they have to find their home address. And what a lot of people don't realize is that there are dozens and dozens of online profiles that have been created that they didn't approve, they didn't authorize, and, it, and, and they are showing, exposing their home address. So what's the first thing you tell, and this, this is for police officers, but this is something all of us should do as well. The one thing that everybody should do when it, that they can do themselves before going to officerprivacy.com, what should it be? I would always, I would suggest that you search for yourself like a stalker would. Google yourself. Uh, The quick way to do it is to put your first and last name in quotes. So, quote, John J. Wiley, unquote. First and last name in quotes. Uh, The city you live in and the word address. Unless you've done something to remove yourself, you will see dozens and dozens of sites, these online profiles that have been created without your permission. And you'll see, they will show your home address, the names of your relatives, your phone numbers, your email addresses. It's all there. It's all open. You don't need to create an account to see them. You don't need to pay money. It's all there. Pete, trust me, when we finish this interview, I'm going on to Google right away and doing that. Uh, I want to direct people to your website, officerprivacy.com. What do you do and what can they find there? So we provide two services. Uh, At a high level, what we do is we help you take yourself off of those sites that are exposing your home address and other private information. Um, we provide, we, we offer two services. One is where we will do the work for you. We will go through, uh, we're up to almost 60 sites right now, and we will take yourself off of those sites. Uh, I only hire current and former U.S. based law enforcement officers. So when you hire us, um, uh, we will do the work for you and send you reports and give you updates. Um, but you can also use software, use our proprietary software 
to remove yourself, and then it's free. And we'll check it out. That's at officerprivacy.com. Pete, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you very much, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. Thank you.